Are you ready for the end of the world? This is your community spirit. The show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. Circle of family, circle of friends, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. My name is Tree Song. I will be your host today for your community spirit. Here on your community radio, WDBX 91.1 FM, community radio for Southern Illinois. We might have a call in in a little bit from our special guest, Orr, who is off on a solar adventure. He may or may not be able to uh, appear on the air digitally with us uh, today. But in the meantime, we will get to some music, some news, some happenings, and we will be right back. We hope you enjoy this music. All right, and we do have a special guest with us. Can you hear us, Orr? I believe we've got you on the air. Can you hear us now, Or? Can you turn it up a little bit? I can just barely hear you. Okay, yeah, I can turn it up a bit. There you are. Yeah. Yeah, it, I should have a better signal this week because last week I was at the college and, you know, hundreds of people were sharing the Internet connection with me, so. <laughs> <laughs> now you've got your own Internet connection. <laughs> yep, so um, it has been... Yesterday I met with the college and we're putting going to put a training system on the school, so that's very excited. So yeah. I can't believe I pulled that together in one week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an impressive way to spend a week. Yeah. It's it's been an exciting year, hasn't it? The oh, world yeah. is trying to go crazy. Yeah, there's an old saying, may you live in interesting times. It's attributed various places, but it's it's a curse. Like, you know, may you live in interesting times where chaotic things happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's kind of a little of both. I mean, we have chaotic times, but we're also having a coalescent cohesion of people deciding they want to make things better, right? Yeah. I feel like in times of crisis, people really think about what matters to them, and they work hard to preserve it, protect it. So, yeah, that leads right into this first story. Yep. Protests erupted across the nation in an 11th-hour effort to stop the Dakota Access Pipeline. Wait a second. I thought people weren't... Um, the messages weren't getting through to our president, but apparently people held emergency rallies Wednesday in at least 53 cities in 26 states. Yeah, uh, the president may not be noticing or hearing these calls, but uh, the calls are happening. Yeah, that's impressive, especially the short notice, too. 53 cities in 26 states. Um, there, There was some knowledge that probably the Trump administration would do something like this, but the exact timing of it was unknown, so for people to pull together so quickly is pretty impressive. I mean, literally, the protest came a day after the Army Corps of Engineers effectively cleared the way for the Dakota Access to be completed, dealing a crushing blow to the movement that has grown up in opposition to the pipeline. The Army Corps' announcement has inspired resistance beyond marches. 
In North Dakota, the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe and other water protectors have begun a return to the anti-pipeline camps, which are currently being closed down by sanitation crews. Sanitation crews sounds um, kind of um, clean. It's isn't isn't it more like um, bulldozers and dump trucks? Yeah. Um. Quote, if you are coming, if you are self-sufficient and disciplined, you are among a couple thousand people that are already coming back, including three contingents of United States Marines, end quote, says Chase Iron Eyes, a member of the tribe, said in a live video posted to Facebook. Now, on legal fronts, haven't they actually uh, filed, I read, um, I thought it was yesterday and today that they've filed, you know, motions to stop it. Yeah, they're filing motions to stop it. There's some concern about uh, what success they'll have with those motions. Um, they, they were really hoping that the biggest delay would be the environmental impact statement, but now the administration has canceled that, basically. So well, I mean, if anything that this... Um, no doppel movement has proven it's that the underdog can punch it, can pack, pack a big punch, you know. It's like, I mean, who would have thought a few people camping out in the wilderness would have stopped it this long? Yeah. So they're still working on it legally and through the presence at the site as well. So I do have a question based on watching the weather. Are people... A little bit scared of how the weather is being so chaotic. Oh, the weather outside is frightful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but. that's. I have been giving a lot of thought to that, given Southern Illinois weather recently. Um, but this, uh, that's sort of related. This leads leads into the Arctic weather story. The winter of blazing discontent continues in the Arctic and elsewhere. But this is the story about the Arctic. Weird, strange, extreme, unprecedented. These are some of the words that describe what's been happening in the Arctic over the past year as surge after surge of warm air have stalled and at times reversed sea ice pack growth. And the unfortunate string of superlatives is set to continue this week. Arctic sea ice is already sitting at a record low for this time Wait, of is, year. Is superlative another word for cuss word? <laughs> well, cuss words are often superlatives. <laughs> They're like, yeah. In this case, <laughs> it might be a, a, yeah, a synonym for cuss word. But Arctic sea ice is already sitting at a record low for this time of year, and a powerful North Atlantic storm is expected to open the floodgates and send more warmth pouring into the region from the lower latitudes. By Thursday, it could reach up to 50 degrees Fahrenheit above normal. In absolute temperature... Okay, not actually 50 degrees, but 50 degrees above, above normal. Above normal, yeah. So, I mean, that basically means for the Arctic to be that far above normal, it does mean that things are near free, near the freezing point. So that could spur a further decline in sea ice. It's not supposed to be above freezing. Yeah, it's not, no, it's not supposed to be above freezing right now, but it's with this 50-degree Fahrenheit warmth... Um, I mean, I know I'm not a climatologist, but I, I have this perception of the Arctic as a cold place, you know. <laughs> and it usually is a cold place, especially this time of year. Uh, 
It's, it's, it doesn't take a climatologist to realize that 50 degrees Fahrenheit above normal is not normal. Scientists have said the past year in the Arctic is, quote, beyond even the extreme, as climate change remakes the region. Sea ice hit a record low maximum last winter for the second year in a row, and the second lowest minimum ever recorded last fall. After a fairly rapid refreeze in late September, the region experienced a dramatic shift. Extraordinary warmth has recur- been a recurring theme. So this is very different weather for the Arctic. Sea ice growth reversed in November. Temperatures reached the melting point at the North Pole in December. So yeah, at the North Pole in December, it was actually the melting point. So Santa and all of his elves uh, in their in their workshop at the again. North Pole. Because I'm having a hard time letting that sink in. Yeah, it was melting temperatures at the North Pole in December. Just for anyone who missed the memo on that. Preliminary data from January indicates the Arctic was up to 35 degrees Fahrenheit above normal in some locations, including a mid-January mild wave. Now that's an important one to note too, because it's not just the fact that we have a day or two where it gets to be really hot. It's that for the whole month of January, it was significantly above war above normal in many places. And February is setting up for another bout of quote-unquote mild weather. (laughs) Extreme weather for the Arctic, you know, but mild weather for humans, because it's a little warmer. This is the latest signal that the Arctic is in the middle of a profound change. Sea ice extent has dropped precipitously, as has the amount of old ice. And whether or not the ice is old or new does have an impact on a lot of things climate-wise. The old ice is which is less prone to breakup. Beyond sea ice, Greenland's ice sheet is also melting away and pushing sea levels higher. Large fires are much more common and intense in boreal forests and other ecosystems changes are causing the earth to hyperventilate. Together these all indicate that the Arctic is in crisis. It's the most dramatic example of how carbon pollution is reshaping the planet. Scientists are racing to understand what comes next. That's part of what's concerning to me about it, too, is some, some of these sort of climate denialists will say, oh, we can't, we can't project exactly how much this is going to warm or that is going to happen. And to me, that's a concern. You know, if, you, if we know that it's going to be a negative impact and we don't know how how great of an impact it will be. That is a very risky situation to be in. It's like if you were jumping off of a cliff and you don't know if it's a 5-foot cliff or a 20-foot cliff. (laughs) That's a time to be concerned. (laughs) Republican carbon tax proposal. Novel climate solution or regulatory giveaway? A group of eminent establishment Republicans have proposed a grand compromise on climate change policy, a carbon tax offset by a payout to individual and families in exchange for repeal of other regulations on industry. The tax, collecting $40 for every ton of carbon dioxide pollution from fossil fuels and escalating over time, would include a charge on imports and would generate enough revenue to pay substantial, regular dividend checks to individuals and households. In exchange, Congress would strip the Environmental Protection Agency of most powers to ensure new regulations to 
control emissions, including a full appeal of the Clean Power Plan that the Obama administration wrote to Governor Power Plants. The proponents say their approach is designed to create deeper emission cuts than regulations would accomplish, more than enough to meet the United States pledges under the Paris Agreement on global warming. Among others, its sponsors include five prominent cabinet members and economic advisors to post to past Republican presidents. It's a long shot to become law, but it won guarded praise from some environmentalists. If this version of the idea does draw more serious attention than past trial balloons, there are the kinds of vexing, complicated questions that will surely arise. How will this tax affect ordinary people? Why combine a tax with regulatory rollback? How high should the tax go? Wait a second. I thought government didn't like raising taxes. And of course, the most important question, how would Congress try to rewrite this proposal? Yeah, well, that's one thing that's interesting about the proposal is it's not usually uh, this particular group of people who are proposing a tax. And it's a carbon tax, which is something that a lot of climate-minded people have been proposing. But the concern is that some of these other details, like giving them a, a free pass on, <laughs> on legislative regulated, regulatory matters, that's a very well, concerning I find aspect. It, I, I find it interesting in a couple ways because... Like you said, it's a group of people that don't like doing taxes, but it's also a group of people that, in general, in the past, have not acknowledged that climate change is even happening. Yeah, so that right. is one big step with this, is they are, by proposing such a tax, they're basically, even if they don't come out and say it, they're acknowledging the existence of climate change. And that is a step forward. And I think talking about a, climate, a carbon tax is also a step forward. But then we have all of these questions about the details, like why, why is it being proposed as a way of trading off to eliminate all regulations and, and some of the other concerns that the article just discussed? Well, I, I like that they put this forward because it puts forward the notion that if we admit there's climate change, you can make money on it. Hmm. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like that the ordinary people will, you know, receive regular dividend checks. And so basically they're, they're telling the ordinary person, if you admit there's climate change, there's a possibility to make money off of it. Yeah. Well, on part of, if, if they structure it the way that some of the environmentally minded people have proposed, part of how it would discourage use of fossil fuels is, like, let's say you're someone who doesn't own a car and doesn't drive. Um, you would get that dividend money and it would just be, free money. <laughs> You'd be rewarded for not driving. But if you're someone who owns a fleet of vehicles, um, you would get that dividend and it would just pay for a fraction of your fuel costs. So people who use a ton of fossil fuels would, would miss out on this deal. And people who use less fossil fuels, it would just be free money for them. <laughs> so this is a, a proposal that a lot of Americans could get behind because as long as you're not a massive industrial user, you know, you'll see your fuel costs go up, but your dividend will more than cover it. That's at least the theory. That's part of why the environmentalists are studying this carefully and asking a lot of questions, though, is there's theory and then there's practice. What they might try to do is propose this, get the tax passed, get their free pass on all of their regulations, 
but then it doesn't actually work. It just <laughs> gives them a free pass on regulations, mostly. Mm-hmm. Regardless, it's brought forth, the, you know, basically a group of people admitting that there's climate change. Yeah, that's part of why I wanted to discuss it, the story, is it's, it's yeah. a, we have now dialogue between sort of very conservative economic people and very, you know, left, leftist environmental, uh, we're getting them all to talk about the same type of solution, a carbon tax. They, they still don't agree on the details, <laughs> but they're at least at a table together now, which is more than could be said in the past. Yep. So. So in other news, we have other actions taking place after the Women's March. Six mass U.S. demonstrations to join this spring. Organizers across the U.S. are riding the momentum of the post-inauguration march to mobilize in solidarity with scientists, immigrants, LGBT folks, and more. Hope your feet aren't sore yet because there are major nationwide marches planned for nearly every weekend in spring. After the success of the Women's March, they're preparing for several different mass mobilizations. And some of these have local corollaries, too. Um, the, uh, well, I'll list out the national ones first. There's the Tax March on April 15th, the March for Science on April 22nd, the People's Climate March on April 29th, Immigrants March on May 6th, National Pride March on June 11th, and I don't know why this is lumped in here, but the Juggalos are marching on the 16th of September. Um, but there, I know locally, locally there is a March for Science and a People's Climate March. And uh, I've definitely heard about those. Some of the others may have marches coming up as well. We'll definitely share the news about the local marches as we discover it. Now, I was actually just talking to about this um, concept with a friend of mine from Ghana who he wants to, um, you know, set up a solar company in Ghana. Solar power taking hold in Nigeria, one mobile phone at a time. A fast-growing energy solution is springing up in Nigeria, Africa's largest country, where three-quarters of people still have little or no access to electricity. Off-grid solar-powered kits consisting of a single rooftop solar panel and a suitcase-sized battery are beginning to electrify rural homes, powering small appliances, mobile phones, and fans using the nation's abundant sunshine. The do-it-yourself kits are replacing candles, kerosene lighting, and diesel generators that are both costly and have health and safety risks. But what is making them increasingly popular is how easy they are to pay for. The systems, already prevalent in Kenya, Rwanda, and India, are being sold in Nigeria by Lumus, a five-year-old startup based in the Netherlands. They cost about $75 up front, and then the customers pay for the electricity they plan to use through prepaid cash mobile phones which are revolutionizing commerce across Africa. No bank accounts or credit cards are required. Rural Nigerians are among the 1.2 billion people on the planet who are not hooked 
to an electric grid. The pay-as-you-go solar model could help hasten energy of access to the world's poor and make new coal and gas-fired power plants and transmission lines less necessary, according to experts. This makes them a tool in the climate change fight like other distributed energy or microgrid solutions. So it's kind of interesting, you know, this is allowing Nigeria to, you know, leapfrog over fossil fuels. And so this is a critical goal of, you know, eliminating carbon pollution. Yeah, this is a pretty interesting way to do it. It's um, because it's people want energy access so that, you know, we don't have this imbalance where people in the U.S. and other developed countries get all of this energy and people in Nigeria don't. But then this lets them yeah. get the energy with skipping the fossil fuel stage. They just go straight to solar. And it's distributed, yeah. too, so there's not you don't have to build these giant power systems to channel the energy. All right, well, we're, yeah. we're running a little on time. It's, it's uh, eight minutes oh. until the, the, t- the middle of the hour. So let's get into some of these holidays and happenings. <laughs> We have Umbrella Day is today. It's, it's not currently raining in Southern Illinois, but it's Umbrella Day today. Also, Don't Cry Over Spilled Milk Day. Make a Friend Day on Saturday. National Inventors Day. And White T-Shirt Day. Abraham Lincoln's birthday and National Lost Penny Day are the same day. Hmm. Do you think if, if you saw a penny on the street, you'd stoop down and pick it up? That's a good question. I, I tend to. That's, I wonder if it's... I probably have overlooked it sometimes if I was busy. Yeah. Oh, this is a big one. Clean out your computer day on Monday and get a different name day. I've already celebrated that one. I have I have a different name than my birth name. It's like National Organ Donor Day and Valentine's Day. The day after Valentine's Day is Singles Awareness Day, <laughs> also known as Cheap Chocolate Day. <laughs> yeah. All of the chocolates that they were trying to sell for Valentine's Day will now be on sale. <laughs> it's also on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if this is related, but it's Do a Grouch a Favor Day on Thursday. <laughs> February is American Heart Month. And also, National Children's Dental Health Month, and also National Grapefruit Month. Yeah. And Black History Month, of course. Yeah, and that leads right into our first happening, the Black History Month at SIU. It's going on for all of February. They've got a whole huge calendar of events. Um, It's celebrating the past and present achievements of African Americans. Uh, the 2017 theme is The Crisis in Black Education. They've already had the kickoff events, uh, but for the full calendar of events, you can go to smrc.siu.edu. And I could say this is the first time in absolute years that I've missed the International Festival Week. Of course, there was the Good Food Fair on Wednesday, and tonight is the Culture Fair. Mm-hmm. 7 to 9 p.m. in the Student Center Ballroom. Incredible culture performances by over 10 different nations. 
Yeah, and I've heard the good food was, in fact, very good. I missed out on it myself this year, but good reviews. Still time for the culture fair, though. Also coming up, we have Food Not Bombs. It's coming up tonight at 6 p.m. over at Gaia House. They're seeking to end hunger and poverty, not just feed it. This is a free vegetarian meal at Gaia House every second and fourth Friday at 6 p.m. It's basically a spontaneous dinner, a big potluck where they bring together all of the different foods that they have collected from the community. Uh, they bring raw ingredients and cook a meal from the gathered ingredients to serve at 6 p.m. So they get there at 5 to cook, 6 to eat, and 7 to clean up. And that is over at Guy House tonight, 913 South Illinois. The Winter Indoor Community Farmers Market, Saturdays 9 till noon at the Carbondale Community High School. This, the Community Farmers Market is your destination for fresh, local produce. You mainly raise meats, eggs, fresh baked goods. And, of course, pretty much every week, as far as I know, they have live music. This week's feature will be a seed swap coordinated by the Center for Subsistence Research. So if you've got some extra seeds, bring them there, swap them with other people, talk seeds, talk when you're going to grow them. Yeah, seeds are very important. (laughs) Saturdays, 9 till noon. Also coming up on Saturday, we have the... Campus Lake Cleanup, and I'll let you talk about this one. Badillo's a little unhappy. Saturday, 9 until 4 p.m. at the Old Campus Lake Beach. The Shawnee group of the Sierra Club invites basically anybody, SIU students, staff, and members of the local community to participate in a restoration activity for Campus Lake. I don't know if you're aware of it, but they've been draining the lake. Volunteers who want to participate in this activity will be signed in on the 11th at a Sierra Club table on the walkway next to the old campus beach. If you are an SIU student, SIU community service forms will also be available at this location so students can record their participation. The old campus lake beach is featured on the top left side of the lake. While the beach has been replaced with the wetland area and walkways, its old parking lot remains along Douglas Drive on the south side of the lake. There will be two work shifts, 9 till noon and 1 to 4. Bring old boots, shoes, work gloves and water, a rake or a pitchfork if you have one, and a friend if you have one, if possible. If in the event of rain on the 11th, it will be the following Saturday, the 18th. All right, so we have, we can just mention briefly a couple of other happenings. The Finding the Gold Within, this is coming up on Saturday at 1.30 p.m. at Carbondale Community Arts. It's a, oh. This is a free educational screening open to all. This was the 2015 John Michaels Award from, what is it, the Big Muddy Film Festival? Yeah, and it's good that they have that showing again, the award winner for that. It's social, you know, social justice-oriented award. Finding the Goal Within Saturday at 1.30 at Carbondale Community Arts. And then mark your calendar for next Wednesday, February 15th, Rally for WGIS, which stands for Women, Gender, and Sexuality Studies Department at SIU. Yeah, This is 1 to 5 p.m. at the 
rectangular found north of the student center just east of Fainer. All right, well, those are our happenings, and in, you can email us at info at yourcommunityspirit.org if you have any others for next week. Uh, in the meantime, we're glad you were able to call in, or glad you actually made it through. And I'll probably miss next week because I'll be teaching, although I'll try to throw in a quiz right at that time. <laughs> but I'll be back end of next week. Yep. In the meantime, we'll see you here next week on the radio.